Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, hey, and welcome to the first ever episode of the Newbie Guide to Sweden podcast. Thanks for tuning in, whether you're tuning in from home or you're on your way to work or you're smashing it at the gym. Good for you and tak for att du listener. I am your, I want to say guide. I'm your guide, Shiona. Now, like you, I discovered the Newbie Guide to Sweden when I first moved to Sweden five years ago. These guys really helped me find my feet during my first few months here. And this podcast is basically an extension on the newbie's goal to create a community for expats living here in Sweden. Guys, there's loads of us living here all around the country. And there are so many expats here who are doing really interesting things or kicking ass in their field. So every episode, we will meet you cool cats from all over the country so we can all get connected and support each other's businesses or just make new mates who are also living this close to the North Pole. Also in this podcast, we will be learning about Sweden. I'm sure there are some things you may not yet know about this bizarre cucumber-shaped potato-loving haven. We will also immerse ourselves in Swedish culture, be it the traditional, the hilarious, or the downright strange. I mean, I don't know why we aren't all dancing like frogs around a penis-shaped pole once a year. Talk about living. Finally, we want you to be involved for real in this podcast. So join the Facebook discussion group Newbie Guide to Sweden, where we will post topics from this episode and what's coming up in the next one. Get involved, share your two cents, you never know, it might even end up on here if it is brilliant. So I hope you enjoy this podcast. Let's kick things off with a segment I like to call Five Minute Fika Report. Here's just some of the things culturally going on in Sweden right now. Alrighty, let's start with my favourite time of year. It's Melody Festival. Oh, I live for this show. And you as a newbie should probably familiarise yourself with it too. It is Sweden's songwriting and music contest to determine who will represent Sweden in this year's Eurovision Song Contest. Now, as a Eurovision fan, I, of course, immediately fell in love with Melody Festivalen. But it's actually a huge show for the Swedish population, whether you're into Eurovision or not. Almost half the country's population watches the show. In 2013, it became the most watched TV show in Sweden for 14 years running. 
A lot of love goes into the production of Mellow and it's such a good way to get to know some of the local celebrities. It's also a good way to prepare yourself for which songs are going to be played over and over on radio for the next year. Mellow is fun, it's flamboyant, it's live, it's music, it's just a really good time. But Mellow runs only for six weeks with the grand final taking place on March 12th. So get involved now. Download your Melody Festival and app, tuck into some tacos and watch Mellow on Esvitia on Saturday nights at 8 o'clock. Next, the Winter Olympics have been on. And if you've had a subscription to Discovery Channel, you may have even seen some of it. But this year has been a really good year for Swedish winter competitors, and Swedes really get behind their athletes. There's a lot of athletes to mention, but one athlete you may want to familiarise yourself with is a kid called Nils van der Poel. He's a speed skater and he took gold for both the 5,000 and 10,000 metres. And not only that, he set new world records for both events during this year's Olympics. And this kid is only 25 years old. The reason he's the talk of the town right now is because he recently published his training manifesto and workout journal. It's nearly 70 pages and it's incredibly intense. So he's one athlete that Swedes are really talking about right now. And finally, don't forget that this time of the year is where we eat all of the fatty foods because all of the fatty foods have their own day in Sweden. Probably the most famous day of all is Semladagen, otherwise called Fettisdagen, which literally means fat day. And this takes place on March 1st, 2022. So on March 1st, be sure to get your friends together for a good old Semla. So that's it. Now you know. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Let's go somewhere, let's find something and let's meet someone. First up, we're actually heading two hours south of Stockholm to a place called Nina's Ham. Maybe you've heard of Ninasham. Perhaps you've even caught the ferry to Gotland from Ninasham. But this gorgeous little town is home to so much more than destination Gotland ferries. So, let's go. Getting to Ninasham is super easy by Pendel Talk. 
And thankfully, you don't even need an additional train ticket to get there. You can just use your SL card. When you hop off at Nina Samstahun, you're immediately welcomed by a quaint cluster of little restaurants nestled together on the harbour to your right. However, today my main focus is not the harbour. Today my main focus is beer. And turns out Ninasam produces a lot of great beer thanks to a brewery in the area called Ninasam's Ong Brugeri. And if that already wasn't great news, the head brewer at Ninasam's Ong Brugeri is a newbie. Andrew is a beer-obsessed Australian who, together with his gorgeous wife Astrid, moved to Sweden five and a half years ago. I was lucky enough to meet Andrew and Astrid at Ninasham's Ongbriggeri on a quiet Saturday afternoon in February. And Andrew gave me a little tour of the place. Oh my God, it's huge. So our brew house, it'll, it'll pump out two and a half thousand litres of a brew. Um, three vessels, so first one's just to mix the, the mash, uh, which is the grain and the water together. And some enzymes will convert starch into sugars um, in an hour process. And we've got steam jackets in every vessel so that we can really control temperatures really, really well. Mm. It's really important for some of the particular lagers that we make. Um, mm. So yeah, that all happens there. Then we pump it up to the, to the other end of the brew house. We've got the water ton and we've got these plates that uh, the grain doesn't go through, but water will go through. Then we want to let the sweet water, the sweet wort, come um, through the grain, down through that. As you can hear, Andrew is extensively knowledgeable in all things beer making, which makes sense given that he's the head brewer of quite a special brew house. Ninasham's Ongbriggeri is proudly one of Sweden's first ever microbreweries, having been around since the late 1990s when it was originally started by a group of mates in a pub. The friends later converted an old power station into the brewery that stands there today. Ninasham's Ongbriggeri is a household name and has beer in most of Sweden's Sistium Belaget. The success of the brewery is largely thanks to their creativity, resilience and passion for a great brew. So these tanks are like 6,000 litres and we put two brews into each one of these. We run three brews a day, four days of the week and Fridays are cleaning. Should be mentioned that like 80% of brewing is cleaning. As I was walking around getting familiar with these enormous tanks of beer, I couldn't help but notice something a little bit exotic. Here's an Aussie beer. Yeah, that's my little baby, Aussie hops. Um, it's, it's our common beer as Australians, um, mm. just an Aussie pale ale. Is it? But it's, it's, yeah, it's treated really exotic by the locals here. Yes. It's really nice and heartwarming when you hear the Swedes go, ooh, I have an Aussie. I have an Aussie. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting um, a true blue Aussie beer in Nisa. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's very heartwarming that it's been so successful. It's our third best-selling beer in the core range now, so... Yes! <laughs> Just sessionable and smashable. Fantastic. So there's an Aussie beer being made in Nina's Harm. And I've learned that this Aussie brew was a bit of an accident. <laughs> um, we were in Colorado. We were doing a collaboration. They'd asked us to come over for a beer festival called Big Beers in Belgium. Mm. Um, and that was in um, Breckenridge and we went over to do a collab beer with them first at Durango in Colorado, way up in the hills in a wild west. 
Mm. Um, and uh, we, we were going through their sort of beers and they, they had – there was a little bit of a phase with uh, craft breweries to do a Brut IPA, which is a really, really dry uh, beer, almost no bitterness, and then had a uh, – it had um, just lots of hops at the very end and then dry hops. So it's just aroma that you're getting off it, but very dry and a little bit higher in alcohol. And one of the hops that they were using for theirs that they'd been making for a while was Galaxy, uh, which is an Australian hop, which is our most famous hop. It's the hop that gets the uh, tropical like passion fruit and pineapple kind of aroma coming from beer that Australians are kind of familiar with. They had this brute IPA. We had to do a long drive from Durango through the hills all the way to Breckenridge there's four guys in a typical, like a big American, five guys, sorry, in a typical American big pickup truck. Yeah. Um, let's just say that there was a lot of, you know, man funk going on in the, in the, in the cabin with five guys. <laughs> um, and we all stopped on the side of some mountain to, to stop for a pee. Mm. And uh, we decided that we were thirsty at that stage, so we hopped back in with a beer that we grabbed out of the back. We were going to a beer festival. Of course, we had beer with us. Yeah. So we grabbed out some, and we all happened to pick up this... this um, this beer, uh, their brewed IPA, uh, Moral Panic, I think it was called. Mm. And um, we all hopped in the cabin and then five guys all cracked a can at the same time. And, you know, that psh, yeah. and suddenly through the man funk cut this beautiful tropical aroma coming off and we're like, <laughs> oh, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so I think that was the moment that the Aussie beer sort of... This is special. <laughs> yeah. And, and anyway, we came back from that very inspired to make something new. We hadn't done anything new in the brewery for a little while and... We thought, oh, we'll give this brewed IBA a go. Okay. There was something that we, we overlooked in the process. We ended up with a, um, instead of a 6% beer, we ended up with a 5% beer mm-hmm. um, that was a bit sweeter than we thought. Um, it still had these hops in it. Um, I dry hopped it a little bit more. It was no longer a brewed IPA. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, I think I can do something with this. This is reminding me of something. So um, I did that. And uh, then we took a keg or two to a beer festival down south that was a hit. Um, and uh, that was the end of it. We came back with raving reviews from that. Um, the people, the locals here started really loving it, so it sort of crept its way organically into the core range and it's now our best, third bestseller um, and st- still using those hops that we can get when we can get you know, the right hops from Australia. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. If you want to learn more about the beers from the Ninasham's Ongbriggeri range and you are of legal drinking age, head to their website, nyab.se The Aussie one is called the Ankaruddin Aussie Pale Ale. It actually will very likely be the freshest Australian beer you drink in Sweden and that's because of how beer travels internationally. The hoppy beers, hoppy beers are, you can't ship hoppy beers and have them arrive fresh in your list. Oh. You can keep them at one or two degrees the whole way. Oh. Australian breweries spend huge amounts of money on cold chain supply. We don't yeah. need to in Sweden so it doesn't yeah. happen. Or Hear Rob's. That. That's the only way you can get a fresh Aussie beer is if it's made here. Yeah. So yeah. us or maybe Hop Shed. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Who's another Aussie? You and Robbo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Continuing with the tour, Andrew took me into where they store all of their hops. Um, and then these are the hops. This is the hops. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty cold in here. This, I guess hops have to stay. Yeah, you got to keep them fresh. Okay. Yeah. So um, uh, five degrees, and that helps keep them fresh. Um, just like, yeah, they're, they're they're very much, and we we pretty much only use uh, whole cones. So these are the flowers from hops. Wow. Don't taste these. No, no, 
You won't taste anything for the rest of the day, but oh, certainly, really? yeah. But certainly, smelling them and rubbing them in your hand and getting the oils on your hand, and then, um, yeah, get like citrusy and grassy kind of flavors off that. That's one called citra. Speaking of tasting things, surely quality control is a big part of the job for a beer brewer, right? I mean, purely for professional purposes, of course. Do you, I guess there's also like a part of the job too is that you have to taste. All the beers. Yeah. Make sure they're okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a shame, man. What a hard part of it, the job. You know what? It is a change. I mean, it's one thing when you, like, like the brewers are here to hear. There's one brewer here earlier but, um, that starts everything up, but there's uh, normally all, most of us are here at 7 o'clock, mm. and we have to taste the beer for that day's filling before we've had breakfast and, you know. Oy. So I wouldn't say it's always. Oh, <laughs> wow. Come in, taste the beer, check it's all right, and then it's right to go for that day. It's a taste, and it's straight from the tank, and it's still, um, yeah, it's, it's okay if it's one of the lagers or something like that, but sometimes you're having some epic barley wine or a oh. crazy IPA just at 7 o'clock. Just after you your yeah. mouth is minty. Or you've got just coffee in you. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, and if we're not sure about a beer, like sometimes we'll wait until after breakfast. We all stop at 9 o'clock and have breakfast together. So mm. um, we have a huge fika and... Uh, that's nice and there's certainly if we want to taste something from one of the other tanks if it's not that day's filtering we want to taste it properly we'll taste it definitely after breakfast after breakfast <laughs> i love that yeah okay i think what andrew is trying to tell us is that it's not all fun and games down at nina sam's own briggery whatever andrew i'm not convinced mate it sounds like a bloody dream filling room which is for the bottles and when the whole thing is running um we can do um, usually 4,000 litres of beer-ish um, in a couple of hours. So yeah, so this is us. We do like 25 beers maybe in the, through the year. Uh, very, very seasonal, which I really enjoy being mm. a part of, but we focus hugely on um, true to style, um, very obsessed with like old German lagers and British ales. Yeah. So that's typically what we're famous for. Mm. Um, so this is, the Aussie beers, it's something really different for them. It's, you've gone yeah. rogue. Yeah. You've done the Aussie. We did go rogue. I just love that Andrew moved to Sweden five and a half years ago and magically there's an Aussie hops beer being produced and very well received by beer drinkers in Sweden. But enough about beer. I know, I can't believe I said that either. I want to get to know Andrew and his amazing wife Astrid and discover what it is that brought them to Sweden. Where are you both from originally? I'm from country New South Wales. Okay. Very small town. Uh, it's called Henty. Henty. It's in between North uh, Aubrey and Wagga okay. in New South Wales. Uh, it's only like a thousand people. Oh, um, it's real small. Yeah, it's real small. Actually, if you look at the label, so one of the things with the beers is that they've all got a part of the Nina Sams Archipelago map in the background very faintly. Yeah. And so the Aussie beer... The, Ankaruden Aussie Pale Ale actually has an old settlers map from Henty and in the background, yeah, so it's got it, that. So, cool. so there's a little bit of there's a little bit of town, my hometown, in the in the On beer. The table. Yeah, God. just made the newspaper back home actually. So see, yeah. massive in Henty. <laughs> yeah, apparently <laughs> massive in a small town. At one stage, we were looking to move to Europe, and there was a short list of countries that we could move to. Mm-hmm. With me being over thirty and. Yeah. Not highly qualified like my doctor wife. <laughs> and um, so um, the shortlist was Germany, um, the Netherlands or Sweden. And now is the time to introduce you all to Andrew's wife, Astrid, who's also Australian. 
As Andrew mentioned, the couple were hungry for a change in their lives, but it was mainly Astrid's job opportunities that would be the determining factor as to where the couple would start the new lives in Europe. In my early 20s, I really started dreaming of living in Europe. Mm. Um, And then I finished my PhD and we were kind of settled in Adelaide, which is where I'm from, Mm -hmm. um, and thinking that we would stay there. Um, But it was still in the back of my mind, you know, this dream of living in Europe. And I just loved the culture and, you know, the architecture and everything like that. Um, Had you been to Sweden before you moved here? Yeah, I'd been twice. Um, So I came during my PhD to Gothenburg to visit a lab for two weeks. Um, I ended up getting quite sick on that trip, so I didn't see any of Gothenburg. I just saw the lab and my hostel room, and that was it, very sadly. (laughs) I've Um, seen more of Gothenburg than you. Yeah, (laughs) which is crazy. Yeah, and then I went to Stockholm um, to visit uh, a friend that was living here and just to see the city, and then I really fell in love with it, and I was thinking back then wow I could really live in Stockholm so it was about five years after that trip we decided that we wanted to move and have a change Mm. Um, and then I was looking for jobs mainly in Germany and the Netherlands like for beer Mm. Um, there's also a lot of research money down there Mm. and I was looking for maybe a year or a year and a half and I wasn't finding anything I was just sending out cold emails to researchers and applying for jobs and wasn't having much luck Um, And then I saw a job being advertised for Karolinska Institute and it was always my dream in the back of my mind, you know, working at KI because of its reputation. They give out the Nobel Prize and I'd known a few people who had done postdocs there. Um, So when I saw this job come up, it fit everything that I'd done in my background. It was just um, perfect. Um, loved what were it. you working with at Karolinska? So I was working in the field of reproductive toxicology and that's basically looking at women's ovaries, um, culturing them in the lab and then exposing them to chemicals that are in our everyday life. So it can be chemicals that are in plastic, um, you know, food packaging, for example, um, makeup. There's a lot of plastic chemicals in makeup that we're applying to ourselves all the time. Um, everything like that, you know, in the air that we breathe. And so we know that it has an impact on male fertility because sperm's obviously very easy to study, but there's not as much research on women's ovaries because, of course, they're much um, harder to access. Did, did it make you totally afraid of everything? That's- <laughs> a little bit, yeah. I yeah. changed a lot of my habits. Um, mm. For example, you know, I was a big fan of Tupperware before. I would always heat my lunch that I would bring to work in Tupperware. Mm. And, you know, they say that these days they're BPA-free, which is, you know, great, but, of course, they have to replace that chemical with another chemical, which happens to be in the same family. And then being in the same chemical family, you can kind of, you know, assume that it's having similar or maybe even worse effects. And so people are just, you know, oblivious to this. I was oblivious to it, eating out of plastic, you know, for maybe 10 years or more at work um, and then I finally realised this I stopped heating my food in plastic I put everything on plates you know small changes like that make a big difference so I always wait till my food's cooled down and then I'll put it in plastic in the fridge and that's you know generally okay but heating it in plastic big no-no wow <laughs> you've heard it here first don't heat your food in Tupperware <laughs> protect your eggs ladies yeah. <laughs> exactly I wanted to ask Andrew, who has been brewing beer for many years before moving to Sweden, 
even having won awards for his beers, about working with Sistian Belaget, Sweden's monopoly on all things alcoholic. How do the two countries stack up when it comes to getting your beers from the brew house into the hands of the public? Andrew, mm-hmm. I have to ask you about Sistian Belaget. Because Sistian Belaget, as everyone who has moved here, you know, now knows, probably didn't know before they moved here, but we're shocked into realising that Sweden has monopoly when it comes to alcohol. We as the general public find it difficult to buy booze, but you're dealing with Sistian Belaget from a producer's viewpoint. Yeah. So... What is it like working with Sistian Belaget when yeah. you're making booze? Well, you've only got one shot to sell it, don't you? You can't sell it to the other, the other booze store. Mm. They try to be fair. Um, they put out tenders. So if they put out maybe a tender with a, a, a particular beer style and they want it to come from a particular region, like they want a US, US suppliers or German brewers or Swedish brewers, they try and give a chance like that. Um, in Sweden, you've got the the monopoly, and there is certain things written in there to try and be fair. So the look, the closest, the you can have certain assortments. So your local couple of stores should always carry your stock. Mm. So if you are producing, you've ticked all the right boxes that you're making the right quality of beer and those things, then they have to carry your beer. Okay, so wherever you are located, those system belaget are obliged yeah, to, 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 to carry, carry your, beer. Your, your local store should be able you should be able to because you can't buy it at the brewery yeah of course. even though they've been trying for years to maybe have that conversation about that but it seems like yeah the anti-alcohol and drugs mm. organizations mm. that i think are mostly christian that mm. that uh, certainly are on the other side fighting back and saying no you know, mm. no to everything mm. and let's get stricter mm. they, they tried to say they tried to suggest that the system below should shut during the pandemic Oh, God. It was an actual suggestion. (laughs) That was an actual suggestion that it would close? That they should at least shorten the hours, which would make it even worse, right? Then you'd have more people jammed into that small space in a short time. It's mad. But But do you think we have a a drinking problem here? No, for the most part. I, I would say moving here is actually I would, if you take like drinking and driving, for example, in Australia they teach you, as a bloke, two in the first hour and then one every hour after that and you're fine to drive. And in Australia, in Sweden, I've come here and I've had like a Falkel or a beer at lunch and, and I've had other people ask me, but you're driving today. I'm like, yeah, in four hours' time. Yeah, they don't do that here. Yeah, but it's rubbed off on me. Like yeah. I just don't drink during the day. Like it's our tasting and I still drive home. Like it's tasting and spitting or just a mouthful and things mm. like that. It's not it finished the beer. Yeah. So it, it has rubbed off on me. Mm. For a couple who had dreamed of living in Europe for quite some time, I wondered if Andrew and Astrid's expectations of Sweden had been met or exceeded or if they were still finding their way here. I don't think I came with any too many expectations, to be honest. I think I tried to come with an open mind. Um, and certainly when everything's new and shiny, it's uh, everything's cool. So when we turned up at the right time of year, it's summer, just around midsummer and everything like that. So it's That is a good time to show up, actually, I think, to come at the beginning of summer. Not a good time to look for a job, but... Um, no, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think, I think looking for the job is, is probably uh, half your battle. I, I see a lot of people online that sort of say, you know, they're, they're struggling to get their, mm. their foot in the door somewhere. Mm. Uh, I don't think people really respond too well to a resume turning up in English. No. Just... It's not because they've got anything wrong with English or anything like that, but I would say try and get on the phone to the person that you need to speak to. Do some research, find out who you need to speak to. 
I had a, a, an electrician, a friend in Sotatelia that was having the same problem. He'd just turned up in town and he'd sent the resume to everybody in town and nobody had gotten back to him. He was getting real frustrated and I'd had the same thing. Yeah. I would say, uh, get on the phone to them. And as soon as he got on the phone and then he got to meet them, uh, he had a job straight away. So yeah. don't, don't rely on an online email or anything no, to get a job. No, like, no. You need to go and hunt your job, Dan. And same question for you, Astrid. How do you feel? Yeah, good question. Um, I think it's exceeded my expectations for the most part. I think there's always a few disappointing things no matter where you go. I mm. mean, of course, you can't help sometimes but make comparisons to your home country and think, oh, you know, this wouldn't happen at home. Okay. But <laughs> like what do you – can you think of any scenarios where you've thought, oh, God damn it, I'm not in Australia anymore? <laughs> oh, the podcast isn't that long. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> Episode two. <laughs> um, I think the way that people interact here in a much quieter way, like back home, especially at work, I was always really loud, um, mm. laughing a lot, making a lot of jokes, maybe a lot of inappropriate jokes. Um, you know, you would scream to the person on the other side of the office rather than getting up and talking to them. I mean, I miss yeah. that. I really miss that. (laughs) So I've really had to quiet things down here. And in the beginning, I found that a bit of a struggle, like I was suppressing a part of myself. And Mm. now, like, it's been so long that I don't notice. Mm. Um, But, yeah, that was a big thing for me. Did you feel like you wanted to, that you needed to do that in order to fit in? Yeah, like I really wanted to fit in. And obviously, you know, like not changing myself totally, but... When I was working in Sotatelia, there were a lot of Swedes at my workplace, um, lovely people, but of course, very quietly spoken. And then, you know, me coming in there and like screaming across the room and making really inappropriate jokes. Like some of the jokes we made in Australia would not fly here. You know, there's a lot of toilet humour and stuff. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to be doing that at work. Oh, I can imagine this Astrid on a wrecking ball coming in. Hello, <laughs> Karolinska. Here she is. Yeah, here's a few toilet jokes, you know. <laughs> Um, and how's your Swedish, Andrew? Uh, mine's uh, coming along nicely. Sadly, we don't speak Swedish at home, so but I uh, but it's very <laughs> Swedish here at work. So I think everybody loves to speak English, and they were very uh, patient. But the then head brewer that worked here at the that hired me in the first place, Lasse, yeah. his English was terrible when I turned up. Like we we butted heads because we couldn't understand each other. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, and now we've got this wonderful relationship where I'm helping correct his English, and he's helping correct my Swedish and we we have like a nice little thing going on there and if he if he wants to write an email and sound angry he gets me to help with that in English to one of the German suppliers or something like that fantastic in the brew room it's really noisy that kind of ends up back in English but Mm. uh, we try and do all our meetings with the 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 brewery and with the brewing group the production group Uh, we do all those in Swedish and um, and how is your Swedish, Astrid? Unfortunately, it's terrible. I'm <laughs> very ashamed to say that after five and a half years, I have learnt very little. <laughs> it was not what I envisioned when I first moved here. Mm, but do you, do you think it is important to learn Swedish or...? 
Yeah, I think it is because I feel that there's a lot of the culture that I'm missing out on. Mm. Um, I would love to watch Swedish TV, mm. um, read Swedish books. I love reading. Reading a book in another language would be a big thing for me. Mm. And then, you know, even like at parties and stuff when there's a lot of Swedes and they're talking, I'm totally out of those conversations. Yeah. And it makes me feel bad because I don't want them to switch to English just for me. Mm. But then I have no idea what's going on. And so it feels very lonely sometimes. Yeah, yeah, I can absolutely relate to that. I think all of us can relate to how Astrid is feeling. Whether you are still struggling with Swedish or you've since mastered the language, there is a period of time where you do just feel like a bit of an alien. Don't be too hard on yourself. It's just a process and it will get better. After all, learning a language is really fucking hard. I have to tell you, meeting Andrew and Astrid was so damn inspiring. They feel like a real success story when it comes to how to move to and thrive in Sweden. But we're not done with these two just yet. We will be coming back to talk to Astrid later on in this episode about a chilling activity she does, which is quintessentially Swedish. You won't want to miss this. Andrew and Astrid are both on Instagram and are totally happy to connect and talk to you guys. We will tag them in our Instagram posts, which can be found now on the Newbie Guide to Sweden Instagram page. And while you're on the gram, you should totally follow Nina's Ham's Ongbriggeri. You can see all the beers in their range via their website, nyab.se as well as how to order beers if you are of legal drinking age. I will also point out that it's Nina Sam's Ongbriggeri's 25-year anniversary this year. So there's some really cool special edition beers being released as part of that. And if you want to visit Nina's Hums Ongbriggeri in person, check out their website where you can book a spot on one of their tours. You can also see when they're open during the summer and learn about a cool collaboration they have with the Swedish band Weeping Willows, who together are raising money to help save the ecosystem of the Baltic Sea. Time for some tips. Surviving winter. I don't know if you've noticed, but it's still dark as hell and cold. Honestly, this is a time where... If I'm really trying to get my husband to do something and he doesn't want to do it, I pull out this one. Listen, mate, look outside. I literally gave up sunlight for you. So, you know, you owe me a little bit. Winter is a battle and it is tough and you are actually a soldier. And like any soldier, you need some weapons for war. And a medal would be nice too. Obviously, a first step is you need to get straight on the D. Get your head out of the gutter, please. Vitamin D. But just be aware, not everywhere in Sweden sells vitamin D at a strong dose. It's something to do with the government's recommended daily intake. So places like Apotheket sell it. But if you want a really, really strong dose, head to somewhere like Life, where you can truly overdose on D. One other thing I tried last year was light therapy. Maybe some of you have tried this too. I kid you not, I went to the beach. I went to the beach in a room on Sodomam. There was sand, the sound 
of waves, the call of seagulls, deck chairs, and light. There was me and about 16 other people, all looking so pathetically pale. It was like we had the Reese filter from Instagram permanently on us. We all got together, all equally desperate for some kind of boost. We threw our swimsuits on our pasty bodies and we played a little game for 20 minutes. But you know what? I don't know. I liked it. I don't know if it was all placebo, but hey, this time of year, whatever floats your boat. If you've tried light therapy, let me know what your thoughts were about it. Did you like it? Where are you going now? Let me know. There is, of course, an alternative to merely surviving winter in Sweden, and that is embracing it. Here are just some of Sweden's winter hotspots, uh, cold spots. You know what I mean. Salen. Over on the left side of the Sweden cucumber, getting close to Norway now, is a cluster of mountains called Sälen, which is a beautiful spot for skiing in the winter. And it's only five hours away from Stockholm, or six from Gothenburg, making it an easy spot for organising a quick winter weekend away. From my reading, Sälen has the steepest drop in all of Sweden, and is considered a bit more family-friendly. Another spot to check out is Åre. It's probably a little bit more trendy and fancy right now. And it's also more focused on one big mountain, showcasing more long, steep runs. It's way up north, about eight hours drive from Stockholm, and it offers a super cool vibe for your winter adventure weekend. If, like me, an after-ski is high on your list of priorities, give order a crack. And for winter adventures closer to your own backyard, you can't go past some ice skating on a frozen lake. Sweden is full of outdoor, wild and free ice skating rinks. Ice skating rinks that you could once swim in just a handful of months ago. Oh my god, it still fully blows my mind that water has so many different states and that water can literally hold up the body weight of me and multiple strangers all at the same time. Yes, I confess my anxiety still hasn't quite got the hang of frozen lakes, but I swear these are mostly happy tears, okay? In any case, you should totally make the most of the fact that most local smaller lakes are frozen solid this time of year. But if, like me, you have a mad kind of respect for the dangers of water, head to a lake that's been made for ice skating, i.e. a big truck has been driving around at first, clearing out a path for skaters. And of course, ice laking, as I call it, should only be done in heavily negative degrees. My personal recommendation for ice laking, for those living in Stockholm, is Dreviken, down near Farstestrand. Victor Pants and I packed a little picnic and just headed out onto the lake, skating along a long path, stopping for a fika pulse on the way. It was beautiful. It was like going on a hike, but skating. One thing I wasn't prepared for, though, was the fact that frozen ice kind of talks to you while you're skating on it. Like, it's, it's clanky. Like, it bangs a lot. I was absolutely shitting myself, but I was assured by multiple sources that this was just the ice solidifying more deeper down as it was super cold that day. So just be prepared. There is another winter activity that you may want to try, but for this one, I need to head back to Nina's home. I'm back chatting with Astrid, For she is an incredibly 
gifted human being. Not only is she equipped with the skill set of culturing women's ovaries in Karolinska Institute, she also partakes in an activity that literally sends shivers down my spine and deep within my core. I feel sick even saying it. Astrid does ice swimming. I've been told that you are quite the ice swimmer. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> Jesus. Was Sweden the first place you tried ice swimming? Yeah, definitely. And it was something I never envisioned doing in my life. You know, if we could go back to when we first arrived in Sweden and someone told me I would be doing this, I'd just say they were crazy. Yeah, um. I think you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And talk me through it. Like, what is ice swimming? Like, how do you do it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so when I first started this, um, it came out of COVID basically. So it was summer of 2020 and I kind of had the idea at the back of my mind. I'd seen some older ladies, um, at our local lake swimming in winter. And I knew that it was something that older Swedes did traditionally. And I was thinking, you know, this is insane, but then there wasn't a lot going on. We couldn't travel and I wanted to do something new without having to go anywhere or, you know, put myself at risk. I thought, oh, what about ice swimming? You know, it seems to be something that people like. Uh, Maybe I should give that a go. (laughs) You know, it's local. It's easy to access. So then I had to make the decision that summer to keep swimming as the weather got colder to kind of acclimatise myself to the water. It just happened so easily. I just can't believe in the end how easy it actually was and how enjoyable. What's the technique? What do you do? Um... Yes. So basically in the beginning, there was a lot of adrenaline when I was doing this. And I think that helped me to actually take off my clothes when it's Mm. really cold and get in the water because you're not thinking of anything else. It's Mm. just thinking like, oh my God, I'm doing this, you know. And then, yeah, I just get in the water basically. I mean, you always have to keep your head out the water in the beginning, never dive in head first because you get this cold water shock response where you gasp. And that's a really easy way to drown, um, Mm -hmm. especially in the beginning when you're still getting used to it. So I always go in feet first um, and go in slowly. And then, yeah, it's just a matter of getting used to the shock of the water. So now I don't get much of a shock at all. Um, mm. In the beginning I did. Is There's always the feeling that you want to be gasping and, like, puffing really fast. Okay. Yeah, mm. it's mm. basically panic. Um, but you have to fight that. So mm. if you breathe you know, long, deep, slow breaths, that really helps um, Mm. because your mind is just thinking like, no, 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 as soon as you get in. Um, It's like Andrew's gone out with me a few times and I can see that he, yeah, yeah, he gets the shock quite badly in the beginning, but it's just a matter of, you know, frequency. The more you do it, the easier it gets. And how long are you in for? I can stay in for a while, but the longer you stay in, the worse the recovery is afterwards. So Uh the longest I've stayed in is nine minutes. Nine minutes? Yeah. (laughs) And I feel like the problem is the more you stay in, the better you feel. And that's a bad sign that you should be getting out because then you're starting to get hypothermic. You feel really great. Like you're totally high on endorphins. Um, You feel very warm. And then it just feels like, yeah, I could be here all day. It feels like being in a hot tub, basically. And that's a sign, like, you should be getting out. Really? So if you're in there and you're starting to feel really good, that means your body is shutting down. You need to get out. Exactly. Jesus. I I always have to force myself to get out. (gasps) But nine minutes? I honestly thought you were going to say, I can stay in for, like, 
a minute. No, <laughs> I could stay in forever. That's how it feels. Wow. So after the swim, you get really, really cold eventually. Maybe around 10 minutes later it starts. Mm. Um, and then you need to be dressed and you need to warm up yourself. So you can't hop in a sauna or a hot shower because that's really dangerous. Um, Is it? Yeah, you need to warm up on your own. So a lot of layers um, and then just being, you know, in your warm apartment, having a warm drink. And what do you think the benefits are from doing this? There's actually a lot of scientific evidence um, that it's quite good for you. Apparently it can boost your immune system. A lot of people report that they don't get sick as much um, when they do this. Increase in circulation as well. Um, It's really good for your cardiovascular system. Um, And I think for mental health as well, it's really excellent um especially you know in winter you you can kind of get the winter blues and you think oh it's cold you know Mm. I can't do much and generally feel a little bit down Mm. but then by doing this you're really embracing the season and the cold and you're being out in nature in you know the most brutal kind of way and Mm. By embracing that and embracing the cold, you just feel fantastic. It's amazing. Yeah, really really amazing. Yeah, and it's so addictive. I think about it almost all the time. You know, when am I going to have my next swim? I just crave it now. Wow, (laughs) that's amazing. And you said that you've got some neighbours who do this too. Have you, like, become friends through this? There are some girls who are around my age that I've seen at the ice hole and I've chatted to them um, mm. a couple of times now and you know they're super friendly and you know we really appreciate that we're women doing this and this is what I've really noticed with ice swimming it's women that do it wow. I'm not sure why men aren't so interested or they don't do it but mm. you know like I'm on some global forums on Facebook people around the world doing this and it's predominantly women so it's interesting yeah it's fantastic I think yeah, it is and have you done this in a few different spots around Sweden? Um, recently we were up in Karuna um, and that Kiruna. was... Yeah. Holy shit! <laughs> wow! Karuna like minus 20! Yeah, it was, it was minus 24 when I did that swim. It was my first Arctic swim. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so there was um, a Facebook group called Karuna Vinterbad and it's a group of girls that live in Karuna and they go down to Tornitrask, um, the river near the ice hotel Mm. and they've got a hole that they maintain so there's a cover over it and they regularly use it every day so the ice is manageable Mm. it was minus 24 so actually the water felt much better than the air I actually got into the water and it was a relief (laughs) which is insane so yeah that was great okay so we obviously know that this is very very dangerous so don't go out and try it Mm. by yourself it's probably good to have a friend with you I guess what would you say for a beginner? Would it say? Would you say to her, how long could a person stay in for if they're new? Yeah, if they're new, I mean, I would always advise to keep swimming after summer so that you acclimatise to the cold water. Don't just stop swimming in summer and then start in February. That's a big mistake, yeah, and then so don't you'll start hate now. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So mm. wait till next season. Mm. Um, go somewhere close to home so that you know that you can go home very quickly, and you're not going to be stuck out in the middle of nowhere freezing. Yeah. <laughs> Have someone with you. Yeah. Yeah, and do some research too. There's so many online forums, um, Facebook groups, um, websites describing how to do this safely. So I looked into it a fair bit when I was starting. Mm. Um, but the way you talk about it, it sounds very, it sounds amazing. Yeah. You're romanticising this activity. And I think it's cool that you came here and, and you've totally embraced 
winter. Winter's tough, but what a perk. Yeah, winter's my favourite season, definitely. I mean, I love the summer, of course. It's amazing in Sweden. But winter is when I feel like I really come alive in Sweden. Yeah. It's fantastic. Thanks so much for sharing, Astrid, oh, because no it's uh, <laughs> I've never met an ice swimmer, and an Australian ice swimmer. I don't, I don't think there's many of you. <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> So maybe this chat with Astrid might just inspire you to take the plunge into some ice as well. Just be safe, newbies. So you made it. Good for you. I hope that means that you liked this pilot episode of the Newbie Guide to Sweden podcast. Like everything Newbie Guide to Sweden, this podcast is for you, newbies, by newbies. So you can really help shape how this podcast is run. So get involved. Tell us what you think and look out for the topics that will be discussed on the next episode via the Newbie Guide to Sweden Instagram page and group on Facebook. My name is Shiona. You can also find me on Instagram. Just follow the tags. I so look forward to meeting and chatting with more of you. Until then, take it easy, try not to slip over too much in the snow and talk to you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.